Good evening, everyone, and welcome to Talk Sense with GNR. I'm Glenn. Nibor. Hey, man, Russell. Peace. And uh, here we are today to give our opinions of what matters here as we go through today's society. Uh, you know, we're going to catch up with our members here. It's been, been a while since we talked. So, Russ, how you been doing, man? Um, I'll thank you for asking. Pretty fair. Um, you know, dealing with this Ohio weather. Um, I know uh, all of us Ohioans feel it, but I know we all feel it across the country. Our escape is uh, Florida, as far as I'm concerned, because still since the last meeting, my golf game hasn't improved, and I've been trying. <laughs> but, you know, we, we're learning and process. How about yourself there, my brother Mike, my neighbor? It's been great, man. Um, you know, I, I'm, I'm happy that the weather in uh, Tampa has gone up um, this past weekend, actually, it was in the high 80s. And I took every advantage of that. I was out and about soaking in that sun, um, wearing shorts, t-shirt, you know, um, your boy's been in the gym, so the text is coming out, um, <laughs> you know, trying to be some eye candy this summer. Um, but yeah, I've been well, brothers. I've been very well. Word, word, I feel you. Like I told you, we get excited up here when it's in the fifties, I done been out to play golf twice this last week, you know, uh, truthfully though, I, I'm, I'm getting, getting relaxed, getting a little bored. I don't have an empty nest, but I have an emptier nest. We had a, <laughs> a kid that moved out, got his own apartment. So now it's two in apartments, two in college. And then the last one's a senior in high school, but he splits time between here and his mom. So, you know, he's doing a lot of his own thing, working and so forth and so on. But you know what really, really I'm sad about is ain't no football on Sundays. Yeah. You know, <laughs> no NFL. You know, YouTube got me watching this uh league called the LFL. I don't know if y'all have heard of that. No. What is it? It's Ladies football? Legends Football League. Okay. Started off as lingerie football league, <laughs> you know, 20 oh, wow. years ago or whatnot. But uh it's you know, women that are pretty athletic, pretty impressive. You know, running around in uh, bikinis, and they have shoulder pads and helmets, and are mm -hmm. banging the mess out of each other. I'm like, what? This game is insane, <laughs> you know. But uh, you know, eventually, my wife came in there, saw what I was doing, cut that off. <laughs> I was done with that. But but it got me thinking about how many levels of, of football there is. You know how intertwined football is in our society. You know, you got Pop Warner. You got a high school, you got college, uh, arena, semi-pro football. Mm -hmm. And then the top is the NFL. Yeah. You know, and like I said, I'm 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 missing Sundays watching NFL red zone and those type of things. But I was thinking about Super Bowl 57 in particular. You know, Super Bowl mm. 57 had a, a lot of first ever accomplishments. You know, uh they bore what, what are some of the accomplishments with the Super Bowl that we encountered? Well, one of the first things is that, you know, uh, we had two black starting quarterbacks, Jalen Hurts and Patrick Mahomes. Jalen Hurts, mm -hmm. I just found this out. He has an all-woman supporting staff, women, excuse me, supporting staff. Wow. So mm -hmm. he has his agent is Nicole Lynch, a uh, very talented young lady. She was a personal injury attorney. Now she's a sports agent. Uh, she's, I think she started with Young Money Sports at first. And okay. I believe now she's, I think, transitioned to another sports agency, but that's Jalen Hurts' uh, agent. And I believe 
He has uh, his marketing team is all women, um, hmm. all black women, I believe right. too. So, um, yeah, I I I, I get brother kudos for doing that, and um, you know, just some other things I think was the first. I think uh, Steph Russell actually, you can uh, piggyback on some of the first that's been going out there too for the Super Bowl. Uh, yeah, actually, uh, you had mentioned Nicole Lynch, but also uh, Autumn Lock- Lockwood. She's also the first uh, black female. She's the strength and the conditioning coach um, for uh, the Eagles. And um, also, well, I wanted to point out, there was another young lady. Her name is Justina Miles. She was a lady who was uh, the deaf interpreter during Rihanna's performance. I also believe she did um, interpretation uh, during the national anthem and when they did um, the black national anthem also. So mm. I thought that was pretty, you know what I'm saying? And then, you know, covering the base of with, uh, excuse me, Jalen Hurts having all females back at or you know what I'm saying? That, I, I think that brother is brilliant. Also, uh, I think he single-handedly was dogging my team, um, not to be biased, but I am a Chiefs fan, uh, Chiefs Kingdom, we're in the building, even though being here in Ohio, I'm a <laughs> Bengal fan, but it's okay. Yeah. Well, you got lucky this year. Y'all got lucky this year, you know. But, you know, speaking of, like you said, two two black opposing starting quarterbacks uh, ever in the uh, Super Bowl, you know, it takes me back. Who was the the first black quarterback? Was that was that Doug Williams? Oh yeah, it was, was Doug the first Williams. Black quarterback, yes, sir. and that that was like Super Bowl twenty or twenty two or something. So here it is, right. thirty five years later. Now we see two black quarterbacks in the Super Bowl. You know, yeah, yeah. Progress has been made on some somewhat, but why would it take thirty five years? I wonder. That's a pretty long time. There's been plenty of black quarterbacks in the league, but uh, you know, hey, it is what it is. I guess. Yeah. Russ, you said you're a Chiefs fan. What, what were your expectations for the game? Like, what did you expect out of these quarterbacks coming into the game? I expect, uh, on top of all else, the brilliance, especially of how young these men are. I believe Patrick Mahomes is 27. Uh, Jalen Hurts, I think, is, what, 24, 25? I'm not quite sure. But the way that they handle themselves, and I don't want to say handle themselves. They're men. They're leaders. And they have, you know, the team looks up to these guys, the, despite how young they may be, how they carry themselves, it shows and reflects on just good, a good steady base, you know, parenting, you know, home, whatever the case may be. But they absolutely are leaders. And my expectations were, hopefully, and it did, you know, come to fruition that, Kansas City would win, and well, yeah, I mean, it, everybody was looking at it from the fact that Patrick Mahomes was was hurt. So you know, we thought that you know, with Patrick Mahomes being hurt and the way that Jalen Hurts had dominated the season, it was just going to be a, a you know, no no uh, no brainer here that Philadelphia was going to win this. Well, then I, I would even say there were expectations of the coaches as well. You know, Nate Boer, what what was some of the expectations of the coaching? Well, there's some, there's some, you know, one of the great things about Super Bowl is that there are a lot of little tidbit of things going on in terms of rivalry and family association. So both Kelsey brothers, right? You had Travis Kelsey. And I've got his brother's name. He plays, uh, I believe, a tackle um, for the Philadelphia Eagles. So you had that right. kind of thing, that family issue, family, not feud, but the family ties to that. Then Andy Reid, 
Andy Reid, uh, his third Super Bowl trip, two with Philly, one with K. Well, I believe was it one with Philly, one, one with Philly, Philly. one with Philly, and two with KC. Okay, um, Nick Sirianni, the head coach for the Eagles, was one time employed by the KC uh, Chiefs, but when Reid became the head coach of KC, he fired him. So that was some high stakes there. So you know, Sirianni probably deep down his gut wanted to be Reid for firing him and show him up. Um, right. So that was that high drama, but. You know, Andy Reid uh, being one of the best head coaches in the league, um, I think the expectations were that he was going to win. You know, he had Mahomes, a healthy Mahomes. Everyone, like Russ said earlier, and you said earlier, that, you know, because of Mahomes' high ankle sprain, uh, the likelihood of them pulling out this victory was pretty low. You know, people were saying that the Eagles might essentially win the game. And uh, I think the second half of the game, Mahomes' ankle was sprained. I think he suffered, well, that injury probably reoccurred. And when I saw that, I was like, well, you know what? It's a wrap. You know, I said, Eagles, right. come in. but somehow he got that Miss Miyagi treatment back in the back. Some <laughs> <laughs> and uh, the brother came back and was firing off the guns like crazy. So, you know, I tip my hat to our brother, Mahomes. He did an excellent job. Yeah. I mean, you know, Patrick Mahomes was Patrick Mahomes. Uh, you know, Hurts ended up fumbling twice, and Casey's defense got that score off of one of them. They almost had two of them, as Russ was pointing out, but they called that back. Thank goodness, <laughs> you know. Uh, but also, too, I think, you know, Reed's experience in, in the NFL, in these type of big game situations, you know, gave him a, a slight edge in the coaching. You know, yeah, they both have we- – both these coaches have weapons, you know, in, in all aspects of the field. But – that experience to make them hold on to that ball and not mm-hmm. turn it back over to Philly in this whole shootout situation. Just hold on to that ball, get down to the last second for a game-winning field goal. You know, that that just – I admired that. You know, I couldn't be bad at that. Even though I wanted Philly to win, I liked the way he played that out and just annihilated them, you know, just, just executed them at the end of there, you know. But I will say there are some things that make me go, hmm, when it comes to NFL, you know. And so probably, you know, my first indication that something was kind of off off kilter with NFL is back in Super Bowl 49 when Tom Brady and the Patriots beat uh, Russell Wilson and the Seahawks. And that year, Marshawn Lynch had a nickname, Beast Mode. You know what I'm saying? He was just running through everybody and everything. Beast mode was the was the was the man. And so here it is, 26 seconds left in the game, and they're on the one yard line. And y'all don't give it to Lynch to punch it in there. Y'all give it to Beast mode to run it down the Patriots' throats. You know, on first down. Come on, man. I mean, how how we talk about great decisions that coaches make? Would a coach make that type of decision? You think? They bore? Not at all. And be honest with you, after that play, everyone scratched their head. I remember sitting down, you know, watching the game myself and like, why wouldn't you give the ball to one of the best goal line backs in the league in Marshawn Lynch? And right. the explanations that came out a whole came out afterwards was essentially Pete Carroll and I forgot who was the offensive coordinator at the time, wanted uh, Russell Wilson to be the MVP of the game. So they wanted the ball mm. in his hands to be, you know, make the, the big play, the, the touchdown at the goal line. And um, I, I, I guess I get that. But the irony is now with Russell Wilson not beating part of the Seahawks and being a Denver uh, Bronco, 
rumors have come out of this this past week that supposedly Russell is trying to get Pete Carroll fired in his last mm. couple of seasons with the Seahawks. So it's kind of funny how, um, mm. you know, Pete was a champion Russell early in his career, right. and then how <laughs> Russell Wilson supposedly had turned on him and wanted to get rid of him. You know, and essentially the Seahawks. Uh, still, you know, essentially sided with Pete Carroll and said, well, no, we'll trade you and keep Pete Carroll. And Pete right. Carroll, you know, had Geno Smith take over at starting quarterback, which everyone thought was question beginning of the year, but he proved to be a solid. Uh, NFL he did all right. He yes, did he did. Right. He did well this, this season. But going back to the point about conspiracy, yeah, it, it just didn't make any sense. Why would you not give the ball to Marshawn Lynch, who had a monster year and is a physical back? You know, he hmm. loves physicality of the game. So it's right. one of the things that you have to sit back and you wonder, is this really scripted? Now, fast forward to the AFC championship we just went through, and you have my team, the Bengals, versus Russ team, KC. Russ, I mean, sometimes I got to say, maybe the scripting comes from the officiating, because should KC have got an extra third down on that play? <laughs> what was up with that? Yeah. Well, you know, and, and it's ironic, you know, sitting here, I'm, like I said, I'm in a state amongst Bengal fans, 50 miles away from Cincinnati. Uh, anybody who knows me, any fan, uh, Glenn, you'll attest to this, always been a Chiefs fan. I can sit here and say that maybe it was an extra third down, but one thing I don't do, and I've stopped doing is inviting Bengal fans to my house when the Chiefs are in the playoffs. And it started, and I'm going to make a long story short, we were playing the Titans. I'll never forget this. I believe the quarterback at the time might have been Matt Castle. And and you can go and look this up on YouTube. Here's a play. Um, the quarterback at that time for Tennessee plays in Atlanta. I'll think of his name here in a minute. Marcus Mariota. Mm. He threw a passing touchdown to himself. <laughs> okay. Yeah, exactly. And I'm surrounded by – I have two friends, not going to mention names, a Bengal fan, a Dallas fan. I remember soon that. As that happened, yeah. Soon as that happened, I'm hearing from them, man, what happened to you with this, that, and the third? Well, what happened to your team? They didn't make the playoffs. Now, back to the officiating. <laughs> now, that extra third down, I don't know from my understanding what it was is that the clock hadn't started running. And for some reason, the side judge came out to stop the play. The reason he did is because he wasn't able to either communicate, which all he has to do is be seen. He would whine that the clock needs to start. It's so loud in Arrowhead, the stadium where the Chiefs play. Yes, Arrowhead Stadium. That <laughs> they couldn't hear, not that he needs to hear or be seen. The, the cameras were shaking during the game. I'm sure y'all saw that too. That's right. how loud it is when that play. So, you know, as an he wants it to be right. Now, it's not up to him. It's up to the head referee to make that call. However, it was made, yeah, it might have been a little suspect. Again, I don't like to have Bengals fans over. Had one over. <laughs> and while I'm sitting there trying to, well, go ahead. I'm sorry. I was going to say, I'm the ultimate conspiracy theorist where I'm thinking, did they have to make Burrow lose or did they could have two black quarterbacks starting in the first time in the Super Bowl for Black History Month? Was was there some kind of big ultimate uh, uh, push for the NFL to try to, you know, because the NFL's taking a hit with, with uh, black viewership 
after they let Trump come in there and bully everybody and make them stand for the national anthem and so forth and so <laughs> on, is this their mm-hmm. way to come back and try to, you know, get into our good graces um, by putting my man Joe Burrow out? That ain't cool, you know. I mean? But, you know, I even no. feel like this. I'm going to say this. You know, they opened up online gambling in Ohio, sportsbook gambling in Ohio. Everyone in Ohio, except for Russ, of course, mm-hmm. bet on Cincinnati to win. All the experts picked Cincinnati to win. Cincinnati was rolling through teams. They rolled through Buffalo in the snow with the, with three offensive uh, backup offensive linemen. Mm-hmm. But Vegas cleaned up on the yeah. Super Bowl. because <laughs> I'm cleaning up on the AFC Championship. Like I said, everybody voted for Cincinnati or bet on Cincinnati. So come on, man. I mean, is this game scripted? I mean, they bore. I mean, is there any hint that this is scripted? You know what? You you don't we don't know. I just know that, you know, you have Jerry Jones, right? Owner of the Dallas Cowboys. He's an investor for DraftKings. And some mm. other owners of the league have been, you know, invested in some of these online gambling sites. You just never know. The money is too is a billion dollar empire, NFL revenue. And when you have that sheer amount of money coming to any entity, there's always some type of corruption here and there, I think. Okay. There's always right. some type of, you know, things, shenanigans that are going on that, you know, we don't, may not know about, not be uh, privy to. So I, I can't say yes or no. I don't think there is to a certain degree. I think that you have, you know, referees, you have human flaw. That's part of the game, you know, when mm-hmm. you're calling a game and you miss certain things. But the league has tried to clean up certain, you know, certain um, the calls with instant replay. They have um, these uh, uh, recording apparatus at the cones now so they can see exactly the ball. You know, uh, if it's touching a point, the, the tip of the ball is touching the goal line. So they're right. instituting to try to mitigate the mistakes of the referee to make the game a lot more wholesome and fair. Um, because I know at the end of the day, if things are, you know, it's found out that things are scripted like the WWE and, you know, back in the days, it would be catastrophe for the league, you know, right. You know, you, know, you can yeah. probably have a, a class action suit, I believe from the fans. Remember that whole thing was going on with Miami Dolphins where um, uh, Brian Flores is suing, you know, the team for racial discrimination and saying that the yeah. owner, told them to tank games so they get a higher draft pick right so, <laughs> you know so if if that if uh if that case had went to court and it was found you know founded that um indeed the miami dolphins were um tried to uh essentially um what's the word compromise, yeah. integrity, compromise integrity of the game cool. that could have some huge ramifications for the league in terms of legality yeah. Um, and, you know, think about what a family of four is paying to go see a game nowadays. Right. So, very much so. <laughs> so I, like I said, I said, I don't think there is scripting, but you never know. Right. Right. That's interesting. I, I didn't think about the fact that Jerry Jones, uh, investor of DraftKings, like mm-hmm. you said, he's making money even with Dallas sitting on the sidelines. He don't Precisely. care about that, yep. you know. And then, I mean, I wonder what's the future of the game, you know, McDowell. Russ, with the with the uh, you know the injuries that we saw this uh, year, uh, the guy in Buffalo, uh, mm-hmm. you know what was his name? Demar Hamlin, yeah. Demar Hamlin, yeah. You know what? What, what do you see as the future here? Uh, the Pro Bowl changed up this year. Well, as far as the Pro Bowl, I can't uh, honestly say I know that they have made it like flag style. I believe um, mm-hmm. I haven't watched it, and they also 
do the Pro Bowl before the Super Bowl now. Um, I think they started at, uh, at least about close to a decade ago. But um, looking at it, I, and I, I, one thing I could say I was happy to see and was surprised at the Super Bowl was Demar Hamlin come out. Um, you know, saying uh, walking healthy and the great uh, team of uh, doctors and nurses down at UC that helped that man. And, you know, um, that was that was very surprising. You know what I'm saying? Actually, it was joyful and tearful. But as far as safety and with that, it was just a, it, it's a play that happened and it was unfortunate with him and, you know, the this heart skipping a beat, literally. And right. to see that, you know, and, and one thing I always worry about is, you know, a lot of kids play, you know, football, Pop Warner and everything. I can't tell you how many kids are Buffalo fans or Bengal fans. And for them to see that and, you know, it, it worries me because mothers, you know, they're going to worry about their children. Damar Hamlin's mother, I think they were able to get her down there in the field for at least, what, 20 minutes or so, mm -hmm. you know, after everything had happened. But if, when you see the, the, I've seen the car come out on the field. You know, they call it the John Deere or whatever. And, you know, they might have a player on a gurney or so. But when his teammates are sitting there and they're covered around him, the humanity in that. You see these these kids there, you know, a lot of these players are, you know, fresh out. Some of them are three-year, some are 10-year veterans. But all I saw during that moment was just these men worried about another man. So as far as the safety with the game, um, I don't know. You just talking about the LFL, and you said they hit and play with the pads and helmets. So if they have a league of women who are playing football in that manner, which is an aggressive game, we'll have to see. It's it's a business. The NFL is a business. A business that generates billions of dollars. People right. buy, you know, their favorite teams. Uh, you know, shirt memorabilia, whatever the case may be. And like you know, they had mentioned the price of tickets. So they have tried to make it as safe as possible. Even when um, the brother, uh, Antonio Brown, didn't want to change his helmet. And I believe the helmets have been changed as a protocol to safety with, you know, getting concussions. Mm -hmm. So a lot of things have to be taken into consideration. And it's something that I believe the players have to come up with in their, uh, their agreement. You know, they all have to, excuse me, you know, at least have to pass it in the agreement. With the majority yeah this is correct yeah yeah this is absolutely correct stuff um i forgot about the right with the, the padding and the, the equipment the league is trying to mitigate the injuries that players sustain and of course nflpa is part of that um but something glenn you you know Steph, uh, russ and and glenn you mentioned um about women you know playing in these leagues that are kind of like you know they're physical do you guys think that the league let's say five ten years from now will be integrated with men and women NFL playing? No, I can't. You, you, you can't uh, integrate that. I mean, it has to be separate leagues. I mean, it's just, it's just too different in the, the body types, you know, th that it would not be a fair uh, matchup. Even though, don't get me wrong, I'm sure there's some women out there that could, I don't know what I'm I'm sure that I know that there's women out there that are dust me on the 40 mm -hmm. yard dash, you know what I'm saying? It can bench right. press more than me, but I'm not a professional football player. So, not at all. You know what I'm right. 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 
I, like I said, that ain't fair either. You know, me playing against them, but you know, I just don't think that it ever be a situation where they can integrate those sports. Myself. No, and I and I agree with that too. Uh, there, Glenn. Um, but you know, I, I've seen it. I, they won't. It won't possibly happen. But I've seen it in high school where you have girls who play offensive tackle. Now, maybe it's because of different development and you know the stage of just adolescence. And not only that, even you know, I, I would say maybe if it was a kicker, because I'm sure mm-hmm. that that there's somebody out there, some young lady who has a story or whatever. Kicker, I think possibly. Mm. Yeah, and and Steph, yeah, um, Russell, <laughs> yeah, you're right. There was a young lady, um, Sarah Fuller. No, okay. excuse me, that's not her name, but uh, there was. Wait a minute, I think that is her actually. Um, she played. She was a kicker. Mm-hmm. Second here. So let me pull it up here. She was a kicker for I think Vanderbilt. Oh, word. Okay. Team, yeah. And I, you know, I agree with, yeah, Sarah Fuller. Yeah. She was a history making Vanderbilt kicker, goal, goalkeeper. Yeah. So she kicked um, a field goal in the first like men's collegiate football game. Hmm. Um, oh, okay. Vanderbilt. And I, I, I agree with both I, goalkeeper guys in terms of, um, I don't think the NFL will be fully integrated in terms of having women play specific positions like lineman, linebacker, wide receiver because you know the the collision the the hitting the physique of men and women are totally different but Mm -hmm. i can see kicking potentially be a a a gateway for that in terms of women playing nfl say hey you know what why not you know but (laughs) hey the the kicker get laid out sometimes i was about to say that and that's true very true i was about about to say that like if she's doing kickoff That would be right. that would be very interesting, right. you know, but this, this girl, this girl, did, I don't think she did a kickoff. She did an extra point, right? Okay. So you know, I don't, I don't see them being on the field for like kickoffs, extra point, no. something where there's minimal yeah. contact, where she's somewhat protected because the kickers down NFL, this you know they're kind of protected to a certain degree, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but I can possibly see that in the future. You never know. You know, we have a, I mean, there's been a big push. NFL is pushing girls flag football. So that's a big mm-hmm. push for that right now. Um, so you never know how this thing may turn in terms of them embracing having a kicker. And like you said, Glenn, about the NFL, even though we're discussing it by being descriptive or not, it's still entertainment. And I can see the entertainment factor of having mm-hmm. a woman, all right, <laughs> come into mm-hmm. a game and making right. NFL history doing women's month or something like that you know so it's also right. a possibility but then right. i guess the, the next step forward from there is to have men in the wnba you know what <laughs> that, yeah, okay. then that's a possibility everything is all falls apart it's, just, it's a possibility you know there could be a guy who can say hey discriminatory practice you know i Transgender like, guy, right? You know, I feel exactly. like I'm really, exactly. I'm really, uh, you know, not to go off speaking here, but identify as a woman. I identify as a woman. What's that uh, movie called? That we, Juana Man. Yeah, I <laughs> Juana Man. He, he didn't do it because he identified as a woman. He just tried to get a check, you know. Right, That's right, right. right. You know, but, but you, but you never but know, you know, right? We, but, we. But here's, just, go ahead. I was gonna say, but here's the deal: you got somebody that you know 
trying out for the NBA, can't get in and be like, uh, well, you know what? That's somebody's reality. And right. you know what? Yeah. I think I, I, I went at kicker because, you know, during that whole time, you know, Harris, uh, was Harrison Butler, kicker for the Chiefs, he was making me upset. So I, that's all I really just, I was aiming at the kicker. <laughs> but you know uh, what? Field goal. <laughs> you know what? And I was, like I said, I won't go to script too much, but if any league would probably potentially integrate with men and women, it'd be NBA, I think. Yeah, yeah. NBA could, yeah. could integrate. Yeah. NBA could, could integrate, mm-hmm. you know. And again, it's all about money at the end of the day. So who knows what's going to happen? Yes, sir. You know. But you know what? Switching gears here, you know, the NFL is a, is a big part of what went place here recently. You know, the, the Super Bowl 57 was great. Rihanna's halftime show. Um, but when it comes to musical acts, of course, we had the Grammys in February as well. You know, and of course, that's the, the pinnacle of, of, of musical awards is the, the Grammys. And so this year, the Grammys did do a tribute of 50 years of hip hop. And really, when you think about it, you know, if you look at the history of Grammy treatment of hip hop, it's been quite kind of skeptical. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, what, what, do you, what do you know about the history here, Nabor? Well, it's been the Grammys have had an adversarial position against hip hop early on. Um, you know, essentially, when I saw the performance, um, one of the first things we talked about pre-production before we even had our podcast show today was how can you take 50 years of history and cram it to a 14, 15 minute performance? Right. Um, it's, it's impossible. Um, and one of the first things I thought maybe the Grammys should have probably done is apologize to some of our iconic members of hip hop for mm. the early treatment of it. Um, not recognizing these people's skill set, the genre artists, these people are poets, wordsmith, mm-hmm. not recognizing them at all. And then slowly accepting them because they realize you can commercialize it and make a ton of money of it. You know, right. after a while, it's like, okay, well, you know, our kids in, you know, Oklahoma, Iowa, they like this music. So maybe we should start integrating them more and we could probably make a profit over them too. So I think from an art form, you know, they should have said, listen, let's be a little more open and more listen to, you know, what they're saying, the message that these kids in inner city neighborhoods throughout the United States, you know, putting together a message about what they're going through every day. And simple songs like My Adidas, you know, what was, what was that song Slick Rick came up? Um, what was that song Slick Rick had in, um, in uh, Dougie Fresh? The show? Oh, no, the show. Uh, I mean, uh, a classic hip hop song about a day in life of what he was doing. Get up, get up in the morning, right? Lottie Dottie. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Lottie yep. right. Songs like that, you know, like these guys were gifted, talented, you know, and I first thought maybe we should, we, they should um, basically apologize. But then getting back to the show itself, it was a Herculean effort in terms of trying to get 15 minutes of history, you know, condense it. 
I thought maybe they should have followed the format you talked about, Glenn, in our, one of our shows, our other show, uh, from a different lens, which was published on April 26, 2021, the top five rappers, when you said it should be maybe you do the Mount Rushmore based on different geographical locations different like regions. States, right? Different yeah. regions. So you start with the Northeast, you go Midwest, you go down South, you go to the West Coast, and maybe you go Southwest, right? Um, that would have made sense, you know, because there were some people that was missing from the performance. You know, they did, you know, of course, it did some of the iconic performers in the, in the beginning of the show, um, but certain rap acts, certain labels were, were missing, like Bad Boy. So not, I'm not being biased here, you know, being from the East Coast, but I'm like, is have, not having Bad Boy represented in that performance is almost like when you do when you're honoring like R&B from the 50s, 60s, and not honoring Motown and Barry Gordy. You know, it just Ooh. seemed like it was weird to me. And then it's weird for me not seeing Ice Cube on the West Coast. This guy's an icon. Um, so it, and then they, they transition quickly into the newer artists like Little Baby and uh, Gorilla, Russ' favorite artists. And I just thought, you know, there were some things that um, it could have been done better, but I, I get it. You know, when you got um, a limited time, you're trying to maybe make amends for something that you should have done years ago. This would this was the output, so it, it is what it is basically. Well, like you just said, they should have apologized. Because think about it, the, the the there's now six categories regarding rap, I believe, mm -hmm. but the the first one was best rap performance, mm -hmm. and that first award went to uh, Jazzy Jeff and the Fresh Prince. Mm -hmm. For uh, parents just don't understand, that's back in 1989. So mm -hmm. rap had been out for you know basically 15, 20 years before it finally got a Grammy Award, you know, to recognize it. And then on top of that, the Recording Academy decided they were gonna, not going to televise the award. Yeah. Uh, even though they announced it was going to be, you know, an award that year, they weren't going to televise it. And so that led to groups like Public Enemy, uh, LL Cool J, they boycotted the Grammys, you know, and it's been just like you said, a, a, a love-hate relationship ongoing since that point, Yeah, you know. And it's really interesting because, you know, hip hop, rap is one of the biggest genres of music out there. Yeah. And yet there's only been one hip hop album to win album of the year at the Grammys. And that was Miseducation of Lauryn Hill, which was a phenomenal album, you know, but there's been other phenomenal rap albums out there that, that haven't got it. Um, and then you look at how the Recording Academy just has treated it. For instance, in 2013, Kendra Lamar debuts uh, Good Kid, Mad City. It, it's critically acclaimed. You know, it's, it's one, of the, one of the best rap albums that came out that year. And do y'all know who beat him for, for uh, best rap album that year? Macklemore. 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 Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, a guy rapping about going to the thrift shop. Yeah. You know, as a suburban kid going to the thrift shop. That's that's not telling the story like uh Lottie <laughs> Dottie. <laughs> that's telling the story. <laughs> you know, it doesn't have the same impact as uh, you know, uh Carolus One telling the story about him and Kitty Parker having to go to school and share pants. You know, that's yeah. not the same. Right. You don't have to go to the thrift store, you want to go to the thrift store. Yeah. You know, they whereas he had to sell drugs 
Yeah. You know, in order to make it out of the, the, the predicament he was in. And you know. that, in that song, uh, Macmore had, I mean, it's it a clever song with their shopping. It was fun, but mm -hmm. it doesn't compare to Kendrick Lamar at all in terms of, you know, that album. That album, like Macklemore's I said. Macmore's album also beat that year. They He beat Drake. Yeah. He beat Jay-Z. Oh. Mm -hmm. He beat oh. uh, pre-crazy Kanye West. <laughs> all the same oh. year, all their albums was worse than Backlamore's album. Yeah. Oh. The recorder wow. had to have us believe, you know. <laughs> so, oh. and but then, know, I, but then I even say this: they mm -hmm. they're not even fair to white rappers because in two thousand three, Eminem lost album of the year to Steely Dan. Steely Dan ain't made a new song since the nineteen seventies. You know, they oh, came out oh, with some crazy. some old yeah. album in, in two thousand three and ended up winning the best album of the year. You know what? What are y'all yeah, talking about? Yeah, I, I don't get that, you know, and I'm a Steely Dan fan, actually, so... Right, You cannot tell me that anything Steely Dan did in 2003 Yeah, yeah. Marshall Mathers' album. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, Not at all. Man. <laughs> you know. But 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 also, Nabor, you kind of went to, uh, you alluded to, like, uh, people that weren't there. For instance, like, uh, you know, there was no bad boy there. There was no death row there, I don't believe. No. You know? Did you have any Snoop? Did you have any NWA? Like you said, there was no Ice Cube. Uh, right. th th this is kind of kind of uh kind of crazy to me that we're gonna talk about hip hop and not include some of these pioneers. Yeah. Um, right. Living legends. It's it was it's uh it, and, and like I said, it was one of the things that when you I watched it, but it didn't have anything, it didn't resonate with me at all. I, I just I was like, okay, it's cool. I didn't hear too much talk about it. You know, it wasn't something that was like the talk of the town. People mm -hmm. are buzzed about because it was it was like done in a flash. And I felt yeah. there should be more content to it, you know, yeah. with apology, a little more brief history about it, you know, talking honoring some of the iconic people like Run DMC, um, um uh Russell Simmons, you know, the yeah. early pioneers, you know. We had one brother, who was a brother who passed away recently, Andre Harrell from Uptown. Mm -hmm. You know, Uptown, I mean, yeah. they, they could have had a little, little tribute about that brother. You know, it just seems yeah. like they just, okay, let's put it together real quick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, woo, okay, hip hop. Right. You know, it was like, okay, right. wait a minute. Right. You know, you're talking about a, a movement, man. Uh, it, it changed the way you talk, the way you dress. And it's, right. so, it's been incorporated. Hip hop's been so incorporated in mainstream. You cannot go an inch while watching some type of move, uh, trailer or some commercial that's incorporating hip hop. I mean, Tiffany's had, I forgot what song they use. Gucci uses it. I mean, these Italian <laughs> fashion houses or, you know, luxury brands that would never touch hip hop when we was growing up in the eighties, now yeah. all, all embrace it, you right. know? So it's just funny to see how, you know, that's happened transition, but it didn't get the honor. It didn't get the, the, the admiration that deserved from the Grammys this year. I don't think it did. I mean, I it, the performance was was what it was, you know, but I just think they could have had a little more content to it. Yeah. Right, Absolutely. right. And, and Russ, I mean, now tell me, let me ask you this, Russ. Should it be, what, what would you prefer, I should say? That should it be, but what would you prefer? Would you prefer to see a, this be called a tribute to hip hop or do you think this is a tribute to rap? I would say a tribute to hip hop because they are both one and the same. Rap is, to some, 
I would say more commercial life. That's how I feel. And that's like what everybody likes at the time. It's mostly what you hear on the radio. And a lot of the hip hop, we miss out. Uh, but we don't because it always it stems from the underground, you know, with the genres that, you know, Brother Nate Boy speaking of Ice Cube, you know, they did. Uh, I, I didn't get a chance to watch myself, but I understand Ice T was on there. But like you said, you, you don't have somebody from death row. Are you insane? And, you know, we could if they. I, I visualize a tribute like this, and this is just a vision. You could go by John and you could go by decade. Pardon me. Mm-hmm. You could go with the start. We could go to the Bronx. We could see MCs from that era. Those are the ones who, the pioneers who put it together. Um, we could go to the 80s. Brothers like uh, KRS-One, you know, he could tell you that, hey, rap on a whole isn't even 20 years old. You know what yeah. I mean? So we could go to the 90s. We could start with, you know, Death Row. We could start with Pac. We could go to the 2000s. We could go to, you know, even down there, you know, with, uh, let's say, uh, Cash Money, you know, because it, it did, it, it, it changed. You could see the changes and what we came out of from the 70s and the heroin era and the 80s. And I'm not trying to put negativity in a crack era in the 90s, kind of the same, but it's almost getting to almost a balance out. The influence that it shows, like Nate Boar spoke up in commercials. You hear, baby, got that. Uh, I can't tell you the the brand or whatever, but I know you've seen it on the commercial. You you know, so like you know, shout out to Sir Mix Lot. Right. A lot has been contributed, and we could do it in that format, but it has to be a whole show. It wouldn't have to be the Grammys. Hip hop right. needs to take care of itself. Hip hop has generated billions of dollars, as far as I know. I, I don't have my Google facts on, but like you said, the most influential genre. What sells more than hip-hop pardon me country rappers you know they rap now and so right. it, it sounds like rap you'll hear you know it's it just because of how the brilliance is of it and they said it was a fad you right. got rock and rollers who can get on stage right now and you say it's a fad steely dan yeah could get on stage people will go pay to see them and then it's the same thing in hip-hop and, really? you know, we got to really we, we really need to appreciate those more, especially um, this, this younger generation. I'd say they don't appreciate it. Uh, you know, like the whole, you know, asshole Kendrick Lamar. Shout out to those those brothers. But when people and I hear hip hop and they talk about, oh, man, you old or this or, you know, this guy is not hot or whatever. I'm not worried about that. For me, words never age. And that's right the problem I have because I can listen to have listened to rocking over and over in my melody and that never gets old you know you you have to appreciate that that's what these pioneers put into that and it, it was to start off fun you know it is you know it's still fun but you know they didn't have no Facebook Instagram in the 90s you know right. it was like you you beef you meet up but you know now you know, I, I just, I, I see that would be my award show. Yeah. And it's funny, <clears throat> nothing, talk about how, how influential hip hop is. So I'm not sure if you guys experienced this with your parents. So my late stepfather didn't like rap music. He used to say, oh, it's not really music. He said, all they doing is talking over pre-recorded music 
our music in the past. Uh-huh. And it sounds God awful, right? <laughs> Until one day, I'm watching Yo MTV Raps, and there's a brother coming out, I think East Oakland, who wore balloon pants, hair <laughs> and Jerry Curl, right? Slick back, gazelle frames, and had a song called You Can't Touch This. And right. my stepfather loved that song. He was like, My Mad Hammer. Go get it. Okay. And, and, and that was his introduction into liking rap. That right. song, Can't Touch It. Dun, 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 can't Touch It. He loved that song. That was his song. And he's like, My Man Hammer. And I'm like, I'm sitting there listening. When I was listening to EPMD, you hated it. But MC Hammer, you, you, just, you just digging it, you know? And But you know what? Him liking Hammer allowed me to play my other rap songs in the house, you know, because he, he didn't want to hear no rap music whatsoever in that household in Brooklyn, New York. He refused <laughs> to hear it. But once he started hearing Hammer, he it's got it. Nice. And he was like, oh, <laughs> go for it, you know. So that's how influential rap was. It broke down barriers from our people, our generation, you know, the old, uh, elders in our community. It broke down the genre wow. from realizing how it was art, it was our music, it was something beautiful. And, you know, and also it was diverse too, right? You know, it, it shows you can go from the hardcore rap to the mm-hmm. commercialized stuff and to the conscious rap, right? Because he also liked, liked um, Arrested Development. Mm-hmm. You know, he liked that right. music, you know? Mm-hmm. Everyday people. He loved everyday people. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like you said, like- it, it broke down barriers, you know. It's still breaking down barriers. But let me ask you this, this this tribute to hip hop, this uh, Grammy show, does this do anything to heal the rift between hip hop and the Grammys you think they bore? Man, that's a good question, bro. Um, hmm. I don't know if it healed because like I said earlier, I think an apology is necessary. I think they should, <laughs> you know, be accountable and say, hey, you know what? We didn't do right by you guys. We didn't do right by this genre of music that you guys were trying to expose what was going on in your neighborhoods, you know, to empathize with you guys and to accept that you guys are poets. Right. You have a, a craft, you know, you're no different than um, people in rock and roll or people in soft rock or whatever else genres out there in R&B, you know, this is a separate, because at one time I think they were trying to mash R&B and rap together. It's like, no, this is a separate yeah. genre than rhythm, mm-hmm. you know, but I think, um, it, it was a good start. You know, I think, you know, um, as more um, um, hip hop artists, you know, become part of the board for the Grammys and uh, essentially, uh, you know, give constructive feedback on how things could be done um, and, you know, give their opinions. I think you can see, you know, essentially the Grammys um, and hip hop coexist together and there'd be more opportunities where they can celebrate this genre of music and honor our iconic people you know, like we said, like um, NWA, um, um, Russell Simmons, Run DMC, and other artists and say, hey, you know what, we're going to make sure you guys are in the right way and cherish. And the new artists, you know, we want them to understand these are people who who who's the trailblazers. You know, you yeah, would not be here if these people didn't um, blaze a trail for you guys. So you need to honor them. It's always a, always a good time here. We done went all around the world to 
NFL to LFL to hip-hop to rap to the Grammys to commercials, you know. But as always, we thank y'all for listening. We hope you like this. If you if you like it, you know, subscribe to our show. We want to get more content out to the people, of course. And in the comments, let us know, what do you think about the NFL? Is it staged? Is there some kind of scripting? What do you think about the Grammys? Have they done enough to redeem themselves for the way they've treated hip-hop over the last 50 years? You know, what are your thoughts about this? Let us know. Uh, but as always, I'm Glenn. Nibor. And Russell, peace. All right, y'all.